Stevenson centers, and the loose puck was put on. Rebound shot blocked. Now Eichel scores. The third rebound goes for Eichel. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Marcia Selwright to the circle. White Cloud shoots. He scores. Doing his best. Jack Eichel finds the opening. Top shelf. Sharp angle for White Cloud. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 Home of the Woo! a boy, a boy. Ready to go today. Let's uh, fire it up. Aiden Hill will stop by the program today on the VGK Insider Show. Fresh off a 50-save performance last night. Uh, he's got to be wondering, what's going on with his home ice advantage at uh, T-Mobile? He faced uh, 49 shots, and uh, now he's got uh, 50 uh, going uh, last night, 50 saves uh, last night in that victory uh, over the Arizona Coyotes. And we also have an Olympic gold medalist who will phone in, providing Chapman doesn't hang up on him, Scott Hamilton, to talk about uh, the Skate to Eliminate Cancer event that's going to take over Lifeguard Arena Friday, Saturday, and then a big performance on Sunday. And we will also uh, get into the UNLV uh, hockey team. Uh, we'll get to that later on in the first hour. Our first guest will be Brian McCormick from the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, their camp is underway, and they're going to jump right into it uh, tomorrow against Tucson. So everybody that uh, has we've been watching with the Vegas Golden Knights that's been reassigned over to Henderson, we'll get an update uh, on that. And I, I think they're going to be a really good American Hockey League team this year. Uh, a lot of great players, a lot of build-up, but uh, we're on the heels of that uh, performance last night by the Vegas Golden Knights. Can you guys tell me, was the final score 3-2 or 4-3? Because I was all ready to pack up at 3-2. No, it was, yeah. I, 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 get, what you, I get what you did there, Darren. Uh, no, it was 4-3. That was the final score. Um, it would have been nice, I think, to have it be a nice, tidy 3-2 and, and, and allow Aiden Hill to to kind of ride into the sunset with 51 saves as opposed to 50. But uh, flair for the dramatic, especially there late in the game, uh, and William Carlson playing the hero. And the way that I asked that was a 3-2 or 4-3. Uh, you don't often see a tying goal like Arizona scored and then – the team come right back with the winning goal. I was in shock uh, the way that happened. Uh, William Carlson scores. Uh, Michael Amadio uh, with three assists. Uh, we had the hat trick watch on last night. Uh, we had a coaches meeting between the second and the third with the players. Uh, Bruce Cassidy not happy uh, with what happened last night. Uh, but I think there was a, some learning to take from that. Certainly a young lineup. You didn't have your top six forwards going last night. You had uh, an inexperienced blue line compared to what we'll see uh, on uh, Thursday and Saturday this week. Uh, you'd expect some of the weight to be and play to be tilted in the other direction. They, they bent last night, especially in that second period. Mm -hmm. But... Aiden Hill allowed them to withstand that. And then some, some really clutch plays. Uh, four goals and that that new line of uh, Amadio and Howden and Carlson. I, I like the look of them. 
Yeah, I thought they were really good last night. Uh, I mean, you know, barring the second period, right? You look yeah, at kind of the absolutely. second period, it's a wash. You, you throw that one away for everyone on the Vegas Golden Knights outside of Aiden Hill. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in the first period, the third period, the the Carlson line, Michael Amadio, I, I thought was very, very noticeable in that game. Second, third efforts. It was really smart plays along the wall. And then uh, great vision from Amadio. And, and you just you get the motor of William Carlson going. I thought Brett Howden was physical in the areas that he needed to be. Uh, if that line's going to be used in a checking type of role and is expected at times to chip in offensively, um, I, I think you can start to understand where the identity is. It was a slow burn for them, as, as Dan Duva put it yesterday on the broadcast, but I think that perfectly describes how they played that game last night and where the chemistry is starting to form with those three players. Uh, first period uh, wasn't too bad, but still Arizona had uh, a majority of the play. Uh, the early going, I think that set the table for Aiden Hill. He was able to fight through traffic and do a really good job of finding that puck. Uh, but uh, the, the whole game uh, wasn't as clean as, as what the Golden Knights coaching staff would have liked. But on the, on the flip side of that, it kind of answers some questions for you, doesn't it, uh, for the coaching staff, where you're you're in that decision-making process of uh, do we want to give this player one last look Thursday, Friday with all the veterans or not? There's there's probably some of that that was uh, that was decided for them. Yeah, I, I think so to a degree, right? Like it, you you know you look at the game last night and there were there were players to me that stood out above the rest and in you know i i mentioned michael Amadio. we talked about that carlson line with brett howden uh, it was a quieter night from Paul Cotter. I think that there were certainly some plays uh, he would have liked to have made some some different reads on or, or just done different things with the puck. Um, you know, but I, I think you know from from a realistic expectation standpoint, a player that I would expect is going to get another look because of the way that they played is Sakari Manon. And I, I thought he had a really strong game for the Golden Knights. Again, first period, third period, instrumental um, in, in just making a great pass on the Pavel Dorofiev goal late there in the third period. And Pavel Dorofiev to me, like, I don't think he's going to be be a guy that pushes this late in camp, but I, I would make the argument that based on the game we saw out of Dorofiev, that's a, a player that should be, um, you know, in in the running for at least one more game here, the, the remainder of camp. I bet you of the six or seven times that I've watched Pavel Dorofiev play in person, mm-hmm. he scored in 90% of them. Now, he may he may want to make me his personal big fan, but uh, it comes from the first really? time they played for the Henderson Silver Knights and, and and came over from the KHL, and it continues. The guy has a knack for the net, and he and he has the the finishing touch on that. Uh, on the subject of the, the Carlson line, like even today, there's uh, Bruce Cassidy was talking about how that line still has to stay true to themselves and can't get too uh, fancy. Uh, for lack of a better term, that's not that's not Bruce's word. That's my word. Uh, but cu- they they gave up the puck a, a little bit in the neutral ice, and and could have yep. uh, done a, a better job of of taking care of the puck and keeping it out of Arizona hands and and making the play go back the other way. So there's there's still a bit of work. As much as Amadio was great and Carlson scored, there's still some tidying up that needs to be able to uh, happen with that line as they come together. I mean, again, that's uh, only a couple of times that uh, Howden, Amadio, and Carlson have, have played together. Uh, on the subject of Manon, though, uh, it's it's a player that keeps 
coming up in conversation. And it's for a different reason than is normal when you're talking about a five foot seven player. That player is usually the water bug that is out there zipping around and doing all kinds of crazy plays, and, and you just notice them because uh, they're involved with the, the puck and uh, just generating electricity. Mananen is five foot seven, but he plays the game like he's six foot two. And not yeah. physically, not running people over, but he's in all the right places defensively, and he moves the puck offensively, and he has the ability to to finish. I think that there's a whole nother level that we have yet to even scratch the surface up when it comes to him being able to generate chances. Right now, it looks like he's focused more on being that 200-foot guy and being responsible, and then we'll add a layer to his game. But I've been really, really impressed with his attention to detail on the entire game. And uh, it might uh, take a while getting used to these arenas and the smaller ice surface and his teammates and uh, this environment. But I think we're going to see a lot of securing Mananen as we go along through November and December. Well, it, it kind of brings you back to some of the commentary last night from Bruce Cassidy and, and some of the things he said today about, you know, your your bottom six needing to be able to start in their own zone and responsible defensively and play a bit of a more north-south game, but get get pucks where they need them to be in the offensive zone. And, you know, when you look at Sakari Manon and, and, and you mentioned defensively, always in the right spot, that's going to be an attribute that I think gets him – uh, an opportunity, maybe not right out of camp, but certainly one down the road. Because if you're trying to tweak where this team's at in terms of their bottom six, and you're trying to find the right combination of guys that you can trust in those defensive situations, Sakari Manninen might just be a guy that that continues to pop up on the radar. You're, you're absolutely right there, Darren. Uh, defensively, uh, Caden Korzak last night, Ben Hutton. Uh, we've got uh, this battle for the final defensive position on opening night should Nick Hag not be available and that runway is running out to be actually in the lineup still sign uh, and not miss any pet checks and be in the fold but uh, to be available on that night uh, you've got Jake Bischoff uh, those players did a lot of defending last night that, uh, they faced some pressure <laughs> last night and Hayes obviously with the, with the two goals of Bahal but uh, that, uh, that tested their, their medal Oh, it did. And, and, you know, I again, you, you never want to see a second period like the one the Golden Knights had last night, outshot 28-5. to five. Uh, You're just in your zone the entire time. You cannot beat any of that downhill momentum. But in fairness to the Golden Knights, they were able to kind of answer the bell in that third period a bit more north-south. They got to their game. They were able to win some battles in the offensive zone. Um, I like the resolve from the Golden Knights, but you you got to stay away and, and kind of course correct in the middle of a period like they had in the second period. That'll take time. I like what, what the coach did. Pull the players in the room and had a yeah, conversation with them after to. 40 minutes. And yeah. It's a preseason game. He still pulled them in the room and, and had that discussion about compete. It's still training camp. You still have things to prove, and 
They answer the bell. Uh, Brian McCormick is the play-by-play voice of the Henderson Silver Knights. So training camp has opened uh, for the American Hockey League team uh, about 25 minutes away from City National Arena. So we've got uh, two training camps going on in the Las Vegas Valley. What a time to be a hockey fan uh, here uh, in Las Vegas. And Brian McCormick joins us now. Uh, what are the first uh, couple of days been like for you? First couple of days have been really good, and uh, you're, you're right, Darren. What a time uh, with 25 minutes apart. It gives me a reason to be all over town uh, at any given day during the week. So it's a great week for uh, Vegas hockey footprint. We're back up in Adam. Uh, and over at uh, Lifeguard Arena, it's, it's the most, uh, you know, the last couple of years there have been either COVID circumstances or uh half semi-COVID circumstances, you know, with, with all the normalcy that goes into this fall and the beginning of this season, part of it, too, is that this is the most robust training camp I've seen the Silver Knights be able to have. There's 36 players is uh, is the training camp roster. A couple of guys, obviously, were up with Vegas last night uh, for the preseason game, but it just it's a lot of uh, a lot of bodies, a, a lot of competition, a lot of good tempo. Uh Rick Bennett, the head coach of the Savannah Ghost Pirates, is up taking part in camp as well. So uh, it's just it's it's very lively, very active, and very busy over at Lifeguard, which is the way it should be uh, in the first couple days. He's the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, Brian McCormick, joining us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, Brian, I, I want to kind of start here with uh, a, a guy that was incredibly impressive last night from, in various moments for certainly some stretches, and that was Pavel Dorfiev. The, the the play to me, I know he scores the goal, but the play starts in the defensive zone. It's him going back for a puck. It's being d- responsible defensively and then finds himself in a perfect spot and, and just lets that shot go. Um, is that the layer that, that Pavel needs to add to the game, kind of the, the, the more defensive responsibility that's going to push him to the NHL? You know, I, I think so, Ryan, in the sense that that's what every single young player is trying to to, to elevate, just like, you know, young offensive defensemen, while they're looking to work on the defensive aspects of the game, it's always something that you're looking to improve on. I, I think for Pavel, what he's going to get credit for now, and, and, you know, you heard Bruce Cassidy in his postgame remarks was talking about the fact uh, that, you know, he, he plays a smart game. He has a good hockey IQ. What, what he needs some time to do, they, they think, is, just get stronger and grow into that man's body, which everyone does at different speeds. But his instincts are, are already very, very solid. So that's why Bruce Cassidy was saying, you know, we think the, the future for him is very, very bright. He's just not there right this second. What Dorofiev did so well last year is, you know, he was so smart around the net, both in terms of, of knowing when to get in, when to get out, when to kind of lurk in the weeds. He was, you know, he was opportunistic, but he was situational from the hash marks in. I know that everyone knows that he's got the, the vertical speed and the, the kind of uh, razzle-dazzle to his game, and that's the first goal he scored in his first season. That's what we saw. It was a highlight reel one-on-three rush that he created. Uh, he turned into a breakaway after three or four strides. He has that, but maybe doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he's really smart and over the course of last year was very responsible. He was a player that you could trust out there at all parts of the game so you know, I think what you saw last night is the the skill is there the IQ and the instincts are there and have developed you know by large strides over the course of the last year um, and you just got a little bit more growing a little bit more uh, callousing to do 
where you know he led the gold, the uh, the Silver Knights in goals and points last season. See him go out there and, and dominate again, dominate at, at an octave of a higher level. Um, but but a lot of the intangibles that other players need to work on, young players. Sure, he needs to work on them like any young developing player, but he's already made so much progress in those areas, too. And I think uh, last night he showed a little bit of that. Brian McCormick chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show, which will set a record today for the most guests in the first 65 minutes of the program, uh, starting with Brian McCormick, and we'll finish off uh, just after 5 o'clock with Aiden Hill in hour number two. Uh, we've got Brennan Brisson uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, got into a few games uh, up to with the big club during this uh, preseason. What are the expectations for Brendan with Henderson? You know, it's probably two different questions, the expectations organizationally and then the expectations he would have for himself because – you know, he's accomplished so much in the last couple of years at University of Michigan playing in the Olympics. And then, you know, kind of first on the Henderson scene last spring with goals in his first three games. So I, I would think he expects a lot from himself because he's known so much success. And I would think that from a coaching staff perspective, they're going to preach patience. You know, as, as excited as fans are that Brendan Brisson is, is now a full-time pro and is uh, confident as he is in his abilities, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that he's still a young player and he's still going to be very much a rookie in the American Hockey League. He's allowed to learn like anybody else is, but he's got such great uh, raw ability and, uh, you know, it, it's easy to talk about. I think it's the thing that fans notice most or, or uh, anticipate most is, is that release, that one-timer that he has, especially off the, the right face-off dot on the power play. Uh, I imagine we're going to see plenty of, of him there. So he has a skill set that naturally he can accomplish a lot. He can put up good numbers uh, in the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows that come with any young player in a pro season. But I think he's going to be a weapon uh, off off of the right face-off dot. I think he's going to have uh, an awareness around the net, knowing when to funnel to the front, which is how he collected points last spring. Um, I think the interesting thing, thing to be will uh, to see will be how he handles you know when that first dry spell does come. You know, because that's part of learning and that's part of growing and that's part of being a professional is that not every day is is rosy. So, you know, he's coming off a couple of uh, amazing college seasons and some tremendous uh, international accomplishments. Uh, now, how does he adapt to the day-to-day grinds of being a pro player? Uh, and I think that's uh, what a lot of people are excited to see from him in the early going. But but so far, you know, you've seen a young player learning and getting more comfortable with the physicality of the, uh, of the pro game on a day-to-day basis and uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what the leaps look like in the first couple of weeks compared to the first couple of months. No better place to get caught up on the uh, hockey scene in the Las Vegas Valley than the VGK Insider Show. VGK with two remaining preseason games. The uh, Silver Knights have two games uh, in their preseason. We're chatting with Brian McCormick on uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, Brian, uh, a defenseman that, that you know I, I felt stood out in, in the game so far in the preseason, Daniil Chayka, he, he makes plays. Um, in his own zone, he makes plays in the offensive zone. From an expectation standpoint for Daniil Cheka this year in the American Hockey League, wh- where are they and what do you expect out of the player? You know, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll reference what two people said. One was Darren Elliott when I was talking to him the other day. They were so impressed with Daniel Cheka's first preseason game because he was playing, you know, the, the term that Darren Elliott used was like, you know, like he's trying to, to win a job, take a job. You know, there, there's two ways to approach camp. One is to do the right thing, check the right boxes, do what you're supposed to, and then there's another level you can go to of a little bit more 
uh, aggression of like, no, 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 I'm going to force my way into conversation. Uh, and in game one, you know, you just saw like a lot of freedom, a lot of uh, comfort, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, not to, these are my words, but I, I think the first time you do anything, there could be a little bit of blissful ignorance. Like, for example, the first time I sat in for Darren Millard, I had no idea how deep I was. I was just enjoying the, <laughs> the ride and, and keeping my head up and my nose clean and, uh, and doing the right thing. But yeah, for Daniel Jacob, I think he played with that kind of, you know, just, just fun in that first game. The second game against uh, San Jose, which is a little bit rougher for everybody, was maybe a little bit more down to uh, down to earth. But uh, you know, he's got good reach. He's got a good skating stride. He's got good sensibility. And you know, I think something that's that's interesting for a young player like him. Usually, we talk about young players from uh, you know you know Russia or anywhere in Europe, and they have to adjust to the North American game. He's been playing the North American game since he was 14 years old. He came yeah. over to play midget because he wanted to play in the National Hockey League someday. It was a pretty good bet on his part. Um, but he is a very, very comfortable young player in his environment now uh, in this training camp. Uh, and uh, the first couple of days of lifeguard, he's been, he's been right at home. I wanted to play in the NHL when I was 14, too. I ended up sharing a seat with Brian McCormick. Yeah, I moved to North America, too, when I was, when I was one. <laughs> Didn't work. Oh, really? You got to jump day. on it? Atta boy. Uh, Brian Carmack's with us on the VGK Insider Show. we got to fly, but uh, tomorrow, I know that the game is in Tucson tomorrow uh, that you guys are playing, uh, the Silver Knights uh, and, and Tucson, because the G League has that nooner o- over at uh, the Dollar Loan Center with the Ignite and the Metropolitans from Paris. Uh, who's the best uh, two-sport athlete, do you think, with the Silver Knights? Oh, good good question. Uh, just just uh, for bookkeeping, Preseason game one for the HSK is, is Friday in Tucson. Oh, Friday. Friday in Tucson. You're going then, tomorrow. Okay. Right, travel tomorrow exactly, and then Sunday afternoon uh, is the is the only home preseason game, uh, also against the Roadrunners. To answer your question, though, best two sport athlete. You know, I'm going to mention this play. He's he's not uh, in HSK camp just yet, but he's under an AHL contract. So just for that sake, I'll I'll count him for this category. Uh, I've always heard that Jake Bischoff is a is an unbelievable baseball player, or, or was like he was had a good chance to, to do that uh, at least at a, at a high level before he chose the hockey route full time. Uh, so Jake Bish- Jake Bischoff is supposedly a very good baseball player, um, and I also bring that up just because for Jake Bischoff, who missed all of last year recovering from injury, he's having a really nice BGK stint at camp. Uh, just I probably the, my favorite story of camp so far is that he just battled so much last year to get back to being a one sport athlete uh, and, and is really showing himself well in the early weeks. And I saw him in the locker room after one of the preseason games last week and just ear to ear smile. He's just so happy to be back where he's supposed to be. So uh, that's my nomination. I hate to do this to you, but uh, I'm going to have to play this card. We've got an Olympic gold medalist on the phone here. So we're going to let you go and bring <laughs> in Scotty Hamilton. All right. Or unless you, you want know, to stay on and listen to Scotty uh, on the phone as well as the radio. It's the first time I've ever been bumped by Scotty Hamilton, and I'm so honored. So uh, bring him on in. You damn uh, well better uh, be honored by that. Uh, let's uh, slide over Brian McCormick, the play-by-play voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, over to Scott Hamilton, uh, who's got this uh, great event. Uh, there's a bunch of these uh, going across the country, but Skate to Eliminate Cancer. It's at the Lifeguard Arena Friday, Saturday, and Scott's putting on a just a fabulous show on Sunday. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry about the mix-up earlier in the week. Uh, it was my fault. It was my fault. But the, but when you phone Scott and you identify yourself as Scott Hamilton, 
the guy answering the phone should put you on no matter what. No, no. Yeah, you know, i got to tell you right, right off the bat, I've never been the bumper before. I've been the bumpy many times, <laughs> but I've never been the bumper before. So please apologize to your previous guest. No way. Uh, he's he's pumped up about this. So so give me the background, uh, how you got involved in uh, Skate to Eliminate Cancer, because it's such a cool thing that's going to happen at Lifeguard. People come out and they, they uh, skate some laps, and it's like a skate-a-thon almost. Well, yeah, it's really cool. It's um, Well, I'm a cancer survivor, and when I survived cancer in 1997, this is my 25th anniversary, yep. um, you know, I, I realized 25 years ago that there was way too much missing in the cancer experience, and that... I was um, uniquely qualified and had a unique understanding of what was missing and how we could solve the problem. So um, we created a website that, you know, that, that answered all my questions that I, I had and couldn't find about chemotherapy, and I realized that I wasn't the only one out there looking for answers, and everything was written in medical journal, you know, ease. And I just, you know, we created this website. Everything you need to know about chemotherapy, um, every drug is listed, how they work, side effects associated and how you can manage them, all written in eighth grade English and Spanish. And then, um, so check that box, because all I found when I was <laughs> trying to find information was 12-syllable words, sometimes six to a sentence, and I thought, I'm too dumb to be sick. That's not fair. So <laughs> I've, never, was, I've never heard it described <laughs> that way, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just that. I mean, yeah, there's information yeah. out there, but it's not user-friendly, so we created it with chemocare.com. The other thing that happened was I wanted to quit after round three or four because I just, I, my life was so different. I, I was skating in front of 20,000 people a night, and then all of a sudden I'm bloated and hairless and, and, um, and depressed, and I just wanted to quit. And I realized, okay, this is, this is weird. And my best friend looked at me and said, you know, he goes, uh, how many rounds you got left? I said, one. He goes, okay, you can do that. I go, I can do that. So I realized that there was a need for really user-friendly, you know, support. And so um, whenever I'd ask my doctor, how sick am I getting with chemo, he'd say moderate, moderate to severe. And I was like, okay, that doesn't really answer my question. No, no. So we created a mentorship program where we pair newly diagnosed patients with survivors. And um, they're there to be a life coach. They're there to be a role model. They're there for a lot of really cool reasons. And we expanded it um, uh, to caregivers and pediatric caregivers because those that community needs uh, unique support and that's wisdom and knowledge of and experience. So we check that box and now we're all about um, as a dedicated foundation. We're all about um, finding a cure for cancer through igniting our own body's immune system. And it's amazing that we put the stake in the ground about eight years ago and the first drug came to market six years ago. So um, it's remarkable that, we can teach our bodies how to destroy the cancer. We just need to fund the research in order to make that happen. And so um, I'm a skater. I've been in a million ranks in my lifetime. We just decided it would be a really cool thing to create a peer-to-peer fundraising program with our skaters all over the country. And um, they sign up, and then they blow up their, their email boxes, and they get out there and they fundraise in a million different ways. And and uh, there's all kinds of incentives that if you get to this level, you get that. And if you get this, you get that. And, and it's remarkable how the program has grown. We've raised about two and a quarter million dollars um, through this program uh, since it was created. And in Las Vegas, you know, we're up at 22,000 plus, and we're, our goal is 30,000. So we're hoping that everybody will come out and support us and, and uh, 
you know, really cheer the skaters on. We have the Frozen 5K, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's like 35 laps around the ice, and you've skated a 5K, which is yeah. awesome. And um, then we have our Sunday ice show celebration. I'm going to be emceeing the show, and it starts at noon, and there's um, performances by a lot of local skaters. And, and uh, Ryan Bradley, national champion, ah. uh, Ryan Bradley's coming in. And show all his flips and his, like, lunatic style of skating. So that's really fun for the audience. But if people want to get more involved, they can go to skycares.org and navigate to our fundraising and um, just sign up and and help us help you. You know, we really feel strongly that um, we're uniquely positioned to make a, a huge impact in the cancer community, and, and we're a good citizen. We partner with people all over the country, and here in Las Vegas, we're partnering with Cure for the Kids Foundation. It's Nevada's only childhood cancer treatment center and facility for pediatric catastrophic diseases. So we're really trying to do everything we can to um, ignite more passion, fundraising, and um, an understanding that there are brighter days ahead. We just have to skate towards them. That voice is uh, so recognizable. Scotty Hamilton uh, with us on the VGK Insider Show. Got a great event happening this weekend at Lifeguard Arena, Ryan. Yeah, you know, Scott, you, you said something in there that, that really kind of struck a, a chord with me. Uh, my mom, I lost her to cancer uh, a few years yes, back. And, and, one of, and, and, and one of the things that I think resonates is, is the mentorship, right? Because it, it's such an isolating thing to go through it, and you don't know what it is until you're in that position. So um, I, can you just kind of speak more to where that idea is? evolved from where where you you kind of had that moment that aha moment that you know in order to help people fully kind of understand and and, and accept the the road ahead it's best to to get that information from someone that's been through this before well it's you know we've all been coached right you know we've all mm-hmm. been mentored we've all been taught we've all been given information that we need when we need it and um you know and, and it's that you know it's like I needed to have good people in my life that, you know, showed me the way, you know, on, on, in my skating career. I had great coaches throughout. My last coach really allowed me to take ownership of my um, my skating, my training, my development. And, and it was really powerful that by the time I stepped on the ice for the Olympics in Sarajevo, his work was done. He probably said five words to me the whole two weeks we were in Sarajevo. So <laughs> it's kind of that. And when when I went through my cancer, I realized that, I'm flying blind here. I, how am I doing? There's, you know, I, I, I'm used to getting all kinds of back, you know, feedback and, and all kinds. And I can see, I can feel, I can know how I'm doing on the ice and I can, I can, you know, understand my improvement. But when you're going through cancer, you don't know how you're doing. You don't know whether you're on the right path. You don't know, you know, what's ahead of you. And so, you know, I really felt like coaching, you know, was the best way to go. And, and, you know, your oncologist is great. You know, the idea behind Fourth Angel, I didn't really explain that, is um, your first angel is your oncologist. Your second angel is your oncology nurse. Your third angel is your friends and family. And what was missing was the fourth angel. And the fourth angel is somebody who's been there, done that. And, and it's remarkable to see and hear, to see, you know, just the impact and to hear the stories of, of you know, these people that come together total strangers that guide each other through the fight of their lives. And it's an extraordinary program, and it's growing to the point where it's almost unmanageable now. It's kind of like our, our coordinators. I said, all you really need 
is um, you know twenty eight hours a day and a case of Kleenex because you're gonna if you're doing your job right you're gonna be crying every single day. So um, you know it's it's just that you know it's like we're here to really pour into people and give everybody everything they need in order to get their lives back and to survive first and then get their lives back. But you know again I you know like you I lost my mom to cancer at eighteen and I thought fundraising was it. And then when I survived cancer, um, I realized that I need to be more of an activist than a fundraiser. And so through the CARES platform, where it stands for the Cancer Alliance for Research, Education, Survivorship, we're really trying to fill in every gap we possibly can in the cancer um, community experience. And, um, you know, having been through it, you know, I know how slow change happens, especially in the medical community. And... It shouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening at, at warp speed, but generally a patient experience is, is really something they have to figure out on their own, and we just thought that this is a, a, a box we could check. This is a, a role we could fill, and in that, you know, we can really serve people um, in a really unique way and at the same time build an organization that, bu- that funds unique research that will ultimately be um, the silver bullet, you know, that... We, wait, we can teach our own bodies, immune systems, how to defeat the cancer? I'm like, well, yeah, it's logical. Our bodies produce the cancer. Why can't our bodies destroy it? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. right now as we speak, our bodies are, are finding dead cells, damaged cells, and our immune systems are destroying them and discarding them. Why can't we do that with cancer? And it's proven now that we can. We just have to fund the research in order to um, allow broad application of immunotherapy. Boy, you get me fired up. Uh, I just want to yeah, run down the street right, right, right now. Right, go. Hey, uh, you and I are the same uh, generation. Uh, the guys in the studio, uh, they're American. I'm Canadian. But uh, you cross over all boundaries. Uh, i got to tell you, uh, th- this is meant as a compliment. I don't think of you as a cancer survivor anymore. You're Scotty Hamilton. Like cancer people uh, go through the treatments, they wear that as a mantle sometimes, as a label. Yeah. And and you've you've like uh, got this great life going, and you're doing everything. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a really cool thing that uh, that you've well, you've done you. so much. I didn't pick it; it chose me. I know. You know I, just, I know. <laughs> it's just how you respond, right? You know, it's just how. What do we do when these things come in our you know into our lives and our paths and our homes? You know, the response is is the most significant thing we can do. It's in the response. So, you know, I lost my mom, and it was devastating. She was the center of my universe. I survived. All right, so now what do I do? You know, and and the only thing I can do is is try to find new ways of, of treating and curing people from cancer. And and um, it's been an extraordinary blessed, blessed ride. It's been difficult. Like, we've really been, you know, post-COVID, it's been difficult to raise money. It's been difficult right. to rally the troops because, you know, everybody is, is struggling right now. But, you know, I, I know that, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, donate, you know, $20 or $25 or even join their 1984 campaign where they can, you know, sign up and donate $19.84 a month, you know, most people can afford that, especially if they're standing in line for 30 minutes at Starbucks. You know, we can figure out a way to you know, participate in a way, in any way possible to participate in this because one in two men, one in three women in this country will be diagnosed with cancer. 69 people an hour die of cancer in this country, in this country alone. So it's a huge problem that, that is solvable if we work together to do it.
1984. Oh, my buddy Darren Elliott, that I work with, uh, was on the Canadian Olympic team uh, then, too. Uh, so uh, great synergy on this show with you and this weekend at Lifeguard Arena, home of the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, you've inspired so many people, and this appearance uh, alone uh, will get uh, everybody out and going on the weekend. Oh, I'm hoping to see everybody. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to you know bring Skate to Eliminate Cancer to Vegas. and It's, it's a fun city. I love visiting. We're just there with a bunch of guys. Very trot. Than our nice. last time, yeah. Um, nice. So yeah, we we uh, we love going to Las Vegas and having a great time, eating too much and everything else that comes with it. But um, you know what the Knights have done and what George McPhee uh, from my hometown of Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, you know he was a fighting yeah. falcon. You know just uh, what he's done in Vegas and and what you guys have created there is is blessing to the NHL and it's just fun to be able to participate with this with you and to really put you know um las vegas golden knights in a, in a new way in front of your uh fan base to um really be uh, a part of, of solving a huge problem in our world you uh tell her uh, say hi from one dolphin guy to another to to barry and we call him mr hobie baker around here uh, <laughs> uh thanks for doing this uh scotty well big fans thank yours. you and really appreciate thank sorry you. about the mix-up earlier but you're so no, you're no, so gracious I mean, you're so awesome. i had to think you're getting punked right yeah i mean the figure skater calling into a hockey show uh, i think break. i would have rounded it up but uh but i understand what was going on uh <laughs> th- thanks buddy you're the best god bless you you thank too you. uh scotty hamilton how what a thrill that is yeah, like that uh, that crosses over awesome. figure skating Olympics uh, onto our show, and like uh, you like me, you got goosebumps. You're like, let's let's go do this Frozen Five uh, right now. Uh, skate those thirty plus laps. Yeah, I I think that that's the perfect opportunity for Chapman to dust off the skates and then get them baked and get them ready to go. And uh, maybe uh, maybe the Insider Show will will skate a five k on Saturday. Chapman, you don't have to bake them. Just do them up tight. Oh, he's on the phone with Scotty. I guarantee you he's oh, on the geez. phone with Scotty. This I, guy. Th- 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 hey, I'll give him a pass on this one. You get a chance to talk to Scotty <laughs> Hamilton. That's true. That's fair. Even though he talked to him earlier in the week. But he gets right. to talk to him. Right. Like, he and Scotty will be buddies. Hamilton doesn't even know it yet. But, no, they're but exchanging phone Chapman, right Chapman will be telling happening. everybody. That he and Scotty Hamilton are best best buddies. Uh, yeah. I hope he's going to pay attention because we're going to take a break and we're going to talk some UNLV hockey. But stick around. Hour number two today will be one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. I'll tell you a little bit about a conversation involving the two players that were traded for each other and that high-profile swap between Florida and Calgary. But off the top at five will be Aiden Hill, fresh off his 50 saves. What do you do after you make 50 saves in a win? You come on the VGK Insider Show. It's part of the contract. Uh, VGK Insider Show continues on Fox Sports Vegas. Over my desk and uh, watch uh, you put the, the players through the drills and high tempo, uh, a lot of uh, skill out there. Give me a name or two that I should be watching for at uh, the games this weekend. You know, it's, uh, it's a really deep roster, um, but i got to give props to our, our seniors and our leaders who have been here for now four or five years and guys who have put the blood, sweat, and tears in and I would go with you know Hunter Mazzillo and Paxton Malone, uh, two of our better and more well-rounded players. Both have great 200-foot games. Um, you know, I think that these are guys that are going to lead us throughout this year. And then if you're looking at a couple newcomers, so we have two Division One transfers and Azaro Tinling and Rob McCollum, both you know great skaters, great hands, uh, guys who can really get up and down the ice, and that's kind of what our program's built around, which is speed. Nick Maroney with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
Nick, anytime you go into a season, you obviously have high expectations, but where are your expectations for this squad, this club this year? Well, I don't want to say championship or bust, but that seems to be the mentality in the locker room, and that's something that the guys have really adopted rather than more so the coaching staff. Obviously, as a staff, we really you know, utilize the old cliche, taking it one game, one weekend at a time. Um, but these guys, I mean, they have a, a sour taste in their mouth of how things ended last year. And uh, it feels like a you know a revenge tour for these guys. So um, I would say that that's ultimately the goal. Uh, but you don't get to that goal unless you handle business at practice, you handle business in the weight room, the classroom, and then each and every weekend. You know, college hockey it's so so much different than pro hockey. You know, you only play thirty something games. So every weekend is really a playoff game. And the way our league works is, you know, if you're in the top four by the end of the year, you get a buy in that first round um, at the national tournament, which is huge. I think uh, of the last 10 champions, eight of them were top four. So that's why every game, every weekend is so important for us. Uh, awesome stuff. I can't wait to see what you guys do this weekend at the Dollar Loan Center and then at Lifeguard Arena and follow this uh, championship quest all season long. And you're right. Your roster is loaded. I love what you've done with the additions, and it's going to be uh, sensational to be part of this journey. Uh, come back on with us, okay? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Nick Raboni with us, uh, the head coach of the UNLV Rebels uh, men's hockey team, as they have their sights set on one thing, and that is a championship. Yeah, it's a it's a really good mentality, I think, to have for, for some of those players coming back in and, and feeling like there's unfinished business. Now, the, the question I have for you, Darren, is have you done a midnight game before? Like, have you... Have you had those late night puck drops uh, it, just at any point in your career, or any point just as a fan going to a game? Yeah, I've, I've, we've rented the ice at midnight because that was the only no, ice no. we could get for for a men's league game. We've done that, but no, no, the uh, the actual midnight uh, games at the professional mm-hmm. level, where you're a broadcaster or or, or a spectator, uh, no. But it's one of the first <laughs> things that I heard about uh, when it came to hockey in Vegas. Uh, Glenn Gullison. Yeah. Uh, we we had an amazing conversation. We were just uh, shooting the breeze about stuff, and this is before uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights existed. And he was telling me all about the the midnight games at at, uh, at Orleans and and what they do and some of the uh, different uh, presentations that were part mm-hmm. of it. I, I would love to to go to that ASU game. Yeah, I would too. I, I and and for no other reason, obviously, to support UNLV hockey. That that's number one. But number two is. Some of the greatest memories when I first got here, going to Wrangler games, especially the midnight game. It's so much fun. You're exhausted but exhilarated at the same time. I'm telling you, you and I, Darren, we, we should have some bonding time. We'll leave Chapman out of it because you know Chapman after you know after midnight doesn't get pretty. Uh, Turns into I, a Darren, pumpkin. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to go to this one. It's going to be great. It's going to be midnight hockey October 22nd, 27th. You're not going to want to miss it. ASU, I, I, I'm there. You should be too. We'll get a couple of tickets. We won't have to pay for Chapman because we can just carry him in because by then he'll be uh, the pumpkin. <laughs> hey, Aiden fair. Hill, 50 saves last night, and he picks up the win in dramatic fashion. Uh, he is going to join us on the VGK Insider Show. Our number two is next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.